The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 241 of Real Blend, a podcast that sounds best when streamed on Pandora. My name is Sean (laughs) O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend, and on this week's show, we're going to talk about the Golden Globes, which has their nominees being announced, and of course, we are going to review James Cameron's Avatar, The Way of Water, and by we, I mean Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hello, Kev, how are you? Good afternoon. Funny enough, I used to stream music on Pandora, literally like like that yeah. was like my old like my old streaming format back back yeah. before uh, of course. Spotify and all that stuff. So it is it is strange. You that it, that it, say yeah. it's old, but I still kind of use it on still use the regular. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I still use it. <laughs> the good thing about Pandora is you could find music that was unobtainable. <laughs> oh, oh. Unob- unobtainium. unobtainium? Nah, it's 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 okay. It's an improvement. I, it's an improvement. I haven't yeah, thought yeah. about the streaming platform Pandora in so long that you said that, and I went, "Are we on Pandora?" We are. I confirmed. <laughs> we are. We're not in Kansas anymore, but yes. you are on Pandora. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's Gabe Kovach, the producer, who is leapfrogging over Jake Hamilton of Fox Thirty Two in Chicago. Hi, Jake. Well, we were just uh, joking about this, but in true Avatar fashion, I feel like I should do a digital video, stare into the screen, and explain forty-five minutes of information that you need to make sure that we progress into. That's actually a joke because I feel like I'm the one person yes. that didn't mind the scene that, that we're making fun of. That's a bit of a joke, yes. And we're, uh, Gabe is hopefully going to see uh, Avatar The Way of Water as soon as we were done recording this. So um, when we get later on in the show and we do the uh, review section, we're going to have a full-on spoiler-free where we're going to give our thoughts about the sequel, uh, what we thought of it. And then we will put uh, make a note and then mention uh, stop listening now if you want to go into a clean. And then we'll discuss a few spoilers, but nothing significant. It's not, it's not like that type of movie necessarily so um if you're watching us on youtube hello thank you for being with us as always uh the episode drops every friday the notification crew shows up at youtube.com backslash real blend podcast thank you everybody who has subscribed to us this year we reached our goal of uh, 10,000 subscribers and we're pushing on of course you can get us all the different places where you get your normal podcast needs met and if you signed up for real blend premium well on mondays we have a, a bonus episode that drops where we do some really fun games. Um, I think we're doing this one. We yell a the lot. Next time. Yeah, often. Um, but we la- we also laugh a lot, Jake. Don't we? Like a family. Just have a good time on the premium <laughs> show. Uh, we're gonna I do actually one love the premium episode. We should just rename it Jake Always Wins. Yeah, <laughs> no, I feel like I feel like you guys have been on fire lately. I feel like Kevin, you had a couple of episodes where you where you came out the well, winner, and the and the kids been the kids been on fire. Well, pop pop and the kid like like, like that 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 uh, pop pop and that sounds like the worst like yeah. '60s Western ever. 
or the best. Pop up. <laughs> Beg to differ. Yeah, pop pop in the key. A couple of characters that you meet over on the premium side that don't often get to show up in the main Those show. Those are Sean's avatars. They, they, they exist, yeah. they Play, exist played over. Played by in, the same actor. Same actor. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Like, Mike Myers lot. situation. Like Sigourney Weaver playing two characters in the uh, Avatar universe. In addition to the episode, you get a uh, ad-free version of the main show and an extra uh, newsletter that gets sent every other week. So that's coming up. Very, very soon. All right, let's get into the Golden Globe nominations. Um, they dropped the morning that we are recording. We're recording on Mondays right now. I know you guys won't hear this until Friday. And then um, there's another group that's dropping. The Critics' Choice is going to drop their awards. We are, the three of us are members of the Critics' Choice Association, and our awards are going to get nominated on Wednesday. Wednesday. We you sent in our that? ballots. We sent in our um, our ballots uh, this mm-hmm. past weekend, which I thought was cool. We did. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I always love doing that. Just just every slot, I just put Finch, 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 Finch. Can't still put also, Finch. who's making fun of me about Finch through the Real Blend Twitter account? I don't know. I don't know. Wait, do was that. Finch this year? No, it was no. last year. But oh. but but but, no. but love doesn't doesn't go by the calendar. True. Well, Otto, Someone, Otto's got someone, someone's making list. fun of me through the Real Blend Twitter account about Finch, and I won't stand for it. Yeah, Talking I don't know who me. that is. I don't even know who's uh, running my mom. My mom runs it. My mom runs it. Someone tweeted today that for the 12th year in a row, the Boston Film Critics Society named Ben Affleck's The Town their best film of the year. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not mad about that, actually. It's not a bad choice. Um, All right. So looking over the list, let me read the uh, I'll read the best picture uh, for musical comedy and then best picture drama. And then we can get into any kind of surprises or notable momentum that you guys might have spotted. So first, musical comedy. Uh, they went with Babylon, the Banshees of Inishirin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, and <clears throat> excuse me, Triangle of Sadness. In the Best uh, Motion Picture Drama category, Avatar The Way of Water snuck in there. Uh, Elvis, The Fablemans, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. So, Damn right. I guess... Um, Elvis feels like Elvis and Top Gun and Fablemans and everything everywhere all at once feel like the ones that are they're the Oscar contenders, right? Like they're the ones that'll be in best picture. Like the Globes are tough because of the way they divide up the categories. Yeah. But like those four getting recognition here make me think that they are pretty much locks to continue on over into the but best picture category. Bass getting director. Like, do we think Bass getting director is going to carry all the way into the Oscars? I do. The Academy I, seems to love that movie. And I, and again, I'm not mad about I would, it. I mean, he directed the hell out of that movie. I mean, I, I would personally put Jordan Peele uh, in that list, but I know he's unfortunately nope hasn't had that type of traction. Maybe it will. We'll see. I think I, it deserves I'm, I'm it. I'm loving but, um, the, the buzz that Kiki Palmer's getting. Yeah, and I'm hoping that, I mean, obviously, Michael, I think Michael Abels will get in for comp- uh, for score. Hopefully, Hoytema gets a, uh, yeah. a, a DP uh, a nomination. It's interesting. This list is fascinating to me because right now, I feel like you know, the Oscar race always changes. And I, I always, when I'm talking about the Golden Globes, I always just talk about it in, congr- in connection with what the Oscars are going to be. And I know we're going to break this down once we dive into our, like, awards sections of our show uh, over the coming months. But you know, looking at this list I, right now, I feel like everything everywhere all at once is the front runner for picture. Um, I, I really think Key's going to take supporting actor. He he obviously got his uh, supporting actor nomination for. Um, he's been for, hitting all of them up to this point. But he yeah. and, and well deserved. And, and when yeah. he kind of feels listen, like this year's Troy yeah. Kotzer. And if you listen to our mm-hmm. interview with uh, the Daniels, 
you know, just learning that they shot the fanny pack scene in one and a half days basically is just a testament to his ability. Uh, I, I'm I want to see him get on stage. I want to see Quan take that award. I really do. I think he's just absolutely incredible um, as as a performer in that film. But right now, it's interesting. I I feel like I feel like everything everywhere all at once is becoming. This is interesting. I saw I saw something today on Twitter. That was like, is this year going to be Avatar versus everything everywhere all at once? Which kind of reminded me of large, huge budget Avatar versus smaller budget Hurt Locker. Right. And I think uh, and again, I'm not comparing Hurt Locker at all to everything everywhere all at once. But from a budget perspective, I I don't know what their exact budgets were, but I would imagine that they're in a similar space of money. I don't know for sure. Mm. Um, But I mean, but compared to Avatar, like that's that's kind of the comparison. So. I kind of started thinking about that because obviously Hurt Locker ended up taking picture and director, I believe mm-hmm, that yeah. year. Yeah. And so I could see like Avatar, I could see that, that kind of being the battle in a weird way. Um, but I don't know. Banshees seems to be, I think it was the most nominated out of the bunch. Yeah. It's um, the most nominations since cold mountain in 2003, yeah. eight nominations. Mm, it's a, and it's, such a wonderful film. Banshees, Banshees is an amazing. Do not compare it, it Banshees is. to Cold Mountain. Also, Banshees shouldn't be in comedy. We get into this discussion every single year. I, that movie, I mean, I found it funny at times, but like that movie is. I thought drama. everything everywhere all at once in comedy was a little strange, strange to me. And actually, to me, that actually, ba- I actually think that belittles it a little yeah. bit. I, I think it. And that is kind Babylon, of Babylon's in comedy. How is Babylon yeah, a Babylon's comedy? That movie. Com- oh, what a what a what a what a, what a laugh a minute musical there's though. nothing musical about that it's, it's it has music in it heavily by it the has score. a joke in it wouldn't you argue elvis should be a musical comedy yeah i actually yes. thought elvis was going to be a, a musical movie that's a drama it's yeah. a it's they just do that so they can invite more people let me pull <laughs> like you in just, on a little another category yeah a little something about the globes uh they're a, they're a fraud <laughs> <laughs> and so their categories don't mean a whole heck of a lot well do they and choose or right. does the studio choose they choose i've 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 heard over the past couple of days they they make a finite decision and let their membership know and then they go from there yeah. i i i'm yeah I, it's interesting banshee's getting all those nominations not that the globes i believe have any indication specifically later on what will happen but I'm happy to see that film getting the recognition it is. And I think Mark McDonough is just obviously, you know, he's an incredible filmmaker. I think it's the best movie he's made since In Bruges. Uh, and I, you know, I liked Seven Psychopaths. I really did like Three Billboards. But that In Bruges was that, was, that, was that film that like blew me away and kind of got me to be a fan of his. But this one is to me, and I think right now we're looking at an Oscar race of three people. I think right now it's going to be Austin Butler versus Brendan Fraser versus Colin Farrell. Yeah. A lot uh, and of people I, I, are looking at Farrell. People like Colin Farrell and he's, so you could almost, I'd still believe that Butler is kind of. Yeah. Banshees is going to get screenplay. He'll get screenplay and that's it. Oh, I think, I think, see, I think, I, I think you're that. sleeping on Colin Farrell. And why well, not? And I also think uh, Carrie Condon, Carrie Condon could get supporting actress. I'm not I think necessarily sleeping, on, sleeping on, on him. I just think the other two, are so, are so strong. I think. Yeah. First but, off, I think but people, people, people don't like the whale, dude. People do not like the whale. I'm really perplexed by that. I, I, again, also, we, we live in yeah. a world where like film Twitter and real world are obviously two different things. 
But The Whale was one of the most incredibly emotional experiences I've ever had in a theater. And I, I think it's, it's one of the beautiful. greatest performances I've ever seen by an actor. Ever. And then to see the negativity yeah. for this film online this weekend, I was just like, wait a second, where is this all coming from? Why are people? And then I read some think pieces and but I get Kevin, it. I, I, you know where it's coming from. It's coming from film Twitter. That's it. But, but, but I will say this. Honestly, all it's coming from. To give, to give that side... Uh, just a bit of credit, like in terms of like the the articles and opinions that I've read, there are people uh, who have made like interesting points about the way the film deals with the drama and the obesity aspect of it and kind of the way it's 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 centered around that. So I understand that people may have different perspectives. I just don't see the 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 negativity that they're seeing. I, I walked out of that film with the most beautiful life affirming message about people being amazing and humanity and love. And, 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 and I don't know, to me, I, I didn't see what that, what the opinions are seeing, but you know, that's everybody else's opinion. We all have different views. So if I agree you're, with you if you're new here, we, 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 uh, we notably do not put a lot of weight on rotten tomatoes for a litany of reasons, which I won't get into, sure. but to your point with 135 critical reviews, it's 68%. The user reviews are still, audience score is still coming in. There's less than 50 verified ratings at the moment, but it's at 94%. That's, that's mm. interesting. So that, to Sean's point, yeah. you're reading film Twitter probably a lot. Yeah. yeah. True. But I, I, and I've seen, but people have been writing like legit articles and I, and I, and I get it. Like, like oh. I, well, I just don't. I just don't are, see the yeah. Film Twitter writes articles. Yeah. You gotta remember. The, you gotta remember that yeah. more often than not, people who are writing those articles, and I'm not trying to throw a blanket statement, but but more often than not, they go into that with their mind made up of what their opinion is going to be, and then sure. they find the elements in those movies to back up what they already went in looking to believe. And maybe my maybe my interpretation of the film is wrong, but I do not believe that Darren Aronofsky made a film that was malicious no. or that character. I do not see in, that in at fact, all. In fact, quite the opposite. Exactly, yeah. quite the opposite. And uh, so I don't put a lot of stock in those. In those. But, but, but even with that, even with people saying they didn't like the movie, we've seen plenty of opportunities of movies that don't take off and the performances are so good that they transcend. Uh, the film. Mm. I'm trying to think of a good example. I can't really think of one right now. Well, I mean, another example head. of that is um, um, like even this year, the the sun has been ripped apart, but Jackman okay. got a best actor nomination. True. Yeah, very true. Right, um, I want to touch on the directors really fast. Oh, sorry, Kev. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say this is the same organization that nominated the tourists. So we have to be, uh, be, be careful. But, but to their credit, I, I'm not going to sit here and like wave the flag for the Hollywood Foreign Press Association by any means, but they did add a hundred men, they doubled their membership, added a hundred members uh, from outside of the United States. So they're there. I, I do think it is a different organ. Just by nature of the the membership, it is a different organization than than the ones who infamously. I don't think we'll ever let them forget that. Yeah. Nominated the tourist uh, for best <laughs> picture. Yeah. Um, here are your directors and tell me if you think that this is going to be the Oscar directors category. It's James Cameron, uh, Avatar, The Way of Water. It's the Daniels for everything all at once. Mm-hmm. Everything everywhere all at once. As Lerman for Elvis, Martin McDonough for the Banshees of Inishirin, and Steven Spielberg for the Fablemans. The, the only person I, I keep thinking uh, is going to sneak his way in for the Oscar, and I don't know who it's going to be instead of. I lean toward Baz Lerman. I really think uh, Todd Field gets in for Tar because Tar mm. is such a critic's darling, and there's, I yeah. mean, like it feels like every critics list or, or top 10 or whatever I'm seeing uh, is naming tar and I could see him big. Cause don't you feel that whenever the director list comes out, there's always like one person that sneaks in that hasn't been there for 
the rest. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like Todd yeah. Field could be this year. And which is why I asked you guys about Baz Luhrmann earlier. I, could, I feel like he could be the person that doesn't make it into the, the list. I think Baz does, because this film, again, film Twitter. Um, but from what I've seen from the screenings that they've been having, it's been like a very positive. People love this film. I mean, at the end of the day, the idea of and again, I'm not comparing Baz Luhrmann and James Cameron, but James Cameron and Baz Luhrmann are very good examples of what a director does with style for their film. Like, like, mm-hmm. like in terms of, I mean, Baz Luhrmann directed the hell out of that film. I mean, sure. and, and I don't think it's like a perfect movie by any means, but, but I do believe that from a direction standpoint, that speaks so like Martin McDonald's voice is completely part of Banshees. Like, like where's when you, Damien? Damien should be in the, in the mix then. Damien's, I Damien's I not getting in. I, I love ba- not, I love should. Babylon, but I don't think it's I don't think it's strong enough on the fun, to be one of the five. I, and I think it's a great film. And don't get me wrong. I mean, we'll get to that review later on um, when we talk about it. I, you know, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. But I, I I'm I'm thinking I think that list is going to be accurate. Um, I did look up the numbers, by the way. I made a point about five minutes ago about like how I think everything ever all at once will be like the quote unquote lower budget versus the massive avatar. So everything everywhere all at once was about a $25 million budget. Hurt Locker was a 15. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. I could see that being, being a thing, but in terms of this, this is fascinating. I mean, I'm, you guys know me. I I wish Jordan Peele was part of this conversation. I really, I really feel like people really turn their heads towards that movie. I I don't think Nope is an awards movie. Why? I honestly don't think. But what's the difference between like, like Nope is a movie about, movie making and filmmaking and, and, and just as you know, uh, every movie this year, Babylon and Fableman's and, you know, Nope. I mean, Nope to me, Nope has the most to I think say the driving narrative about Nope for people who aren't as invested in it as you are, because you sure. clearly love it with Jordan yeah. is that they see it more as a, as a monster movie, you know? And even when people said like, Oh, it's Jordan's jaws, right? There's more about what's in the clouds and there's more about, the eventual reveal, which I'm going to protect in case people haven't talked about it here. I think it's thematically deeper than that, though. I really do. I understand that. uh, But I think that most people uh, who are watching it are not getting the the resonant message that you're getting from it. And so they don't they're not treating it like an awards film necessarily. Okay, Um, to your point, what about Kaczynski? Because because that is a movie they're treating like an awards film. For sure. Um, That seems like a different case. Like that just seems like that's a big, like that was a cultural phenomenon. That film. That's, that's, that's getting the narrative. um, Even though it's not a hundred percent, the movie um, of the movie that brought people back to the movies. Sure. Right. Sure. It did do that a lot, but like tenant kind of did that. And then the MCU kind of did that because Dr. Strange made, I mean, you know, a billion dollars before Top Gun opened. No Way Home absolutely did that. And that's what but no, but even almost... though No Way Home made more than Top Gun. Don't you feel like I mean, you know, I know we use our parents a lot as like the bar, the bar. But like, don't you feel like Top Gun had like if there were ever a movie to slap the title of this brought people back to the theaters, even though sure. No Way Home made more money. I, yeah, yeah, Top yeah. Gun feels like the one like honestly, Top Gun had the Older narrative audiences. that I really think Nolan thought he was going to have with Tenet or wanted to have with Tenet. Now, granted, Nolan did release Tenet. In 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 yes. a very in a really bad yeah, part of the pandemic, world. yeah, yes, but yeah, but, for sure. but I but in terms of Top Gun Maverick, I mean, like I, it it, it makes me happy to see it in this conversation, yeah. and it deserves to be. It, it, yeah. Like at the end of the day, like I've been saying this on the show for years, we are in a situation where we need to start celebrating these larger films that are actually sure. bringing people to theaters instead of you know again, I I understand 
what an Oscar film may be to the Academy, like that, the, you know, a certain type of drama, Shakespeare in Love or English Patient, great films. But there is a standard to, as to what an Academy film really ends up becoming. And I think with films like Top Gun and Avatar and even like, you know, Elvis, uh, even though those those are large scale films that might not necessarily be considered, quote unquote, Oscar films that I'm just glad are being included in the bunch. And they're great movies like they're sure. just because they're action films or don't follow a certain level of drama like you know, uh, like X, Y, Z. I think that it's great to see that. I think Top Gun has a good chance. I think uh, one, I'm curious to, you know, uh, your thoughts on, cause I still think Cruz is getting in. I, I know he didn't get the best actor slot. We were, t- we were texting earlier about whether or not this was punishment for him giving back his globes after everything that happened. Do you think that, think that Cameron getting in as director is kind of like, if there were one slot for the director of a big blockbuster, like, we're not we're, they're not they're not going to do Kaczynski and Cameron and yeah. they're going to give it they're going to give it to Cameron over Kaczynski. Well, but I would all, thing, and Cameron I, deserves it over Kaczynski. I heard from a very trusted source um, that there were two cuts of Top Gun Maverick. The Kaczynski cut and the McQuarrie cut. Which one did and we the see? The McQuarrie cut is the one that we saw. Interesting. So, that feels like a big scoop to drop on Real Blend. What, 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 what have you heard? I've, I've heard it from a trusted source that that McQuarrie has more fingerprints on Top Gun Maverick than Kaczynski might. Well, I mean, I think oh. I honestly, honestly kind of always felt that Cruz probably had more fingerprints on it than Kaczynski. Well, had. Those projects do feel very much like there's a lot of input from a lot of different directions. Yeah. Bruckheimer is going to have his say. Cruz absolutely is going to have yeah. his say. He's got McQuarrie by his side for sure as a consultant. And I don't doubt that Joseph Kaczynski brought plenty to the film. I, I mean, obviously, he's a terrific director, but I didn't think he was going to be in the director's category. Neither did I. Neither did I. Regardless, it just felt like because once you have you have you have Spielberg, who's definitely going to be in. Um, I think Martin McDonough is in. Yeah. Um, I think Baz is a lock. You think, honestly, you think Baz is a yeah. lock? I think Baz is a lock. I think Elvis they is very love popular. That movie. Yeah, what they about, love that movie. Do you think Cameron's a lock? Yeah. Yeah, I think Cameron's going to be a lock. Um, and then I that fifth slot's going to lock. You're not a bad choice with uh, Todd Field, honestly. Uh, with Tar because Tar is beloved. I I don't think Baz is. I, I, don't get me wrong. I am rooting for Baz. I think Baz deserves to be there. I would love if come Oscar nomination day they say Baz Luhrmann. It's I, like Kevin I said, think he's his fingerprints think, are all over it. It's like that's his style. It's yeah. It's such a Baz Luhrmann movie, and I feel like, and he's been everywhere with it. He's and, and it's a, and, been, and it was I mean, uh, all at once. So you could say yeah, yeah. But I mean, like the Daniels. I think the Daniels are locked. Oh, that's the other one I'm thinking of. That's right. Oh, that's the other one I I'm think thinking that about. was the one yeah, you didn't mention. They so you said, okay, so of the five, then of the five, like who's who's the most likely to not hear their name come Oscar nomination day of the directors? I think all five of them are in. You think okay, so? So if you have Cameron Spielberg, uh, the Daniels, Martin McDonough, and Baz Luhrmann, mm-hmm. that leaves out Todd Field. Yes. They're all and in. I, and all I think and I think Todd think gets all five in. of those are in. I think Todd gets in. It replaces and if Todd Lerman. gets in. He replaces. I know I would say that he replaces McDonough. No, mm. McDonough. No, McDonough's. I think McDonough's ba- a lock. Banshees is too beloved. Yeah, Banshees is. I'm not saying it isn't beloved, but is it is it a better directed? And this is where we get Since into the intricacies of direction, you know, but like those other guys, Spielberg, Cameron. 
And let's not even, you know, uh, overlook the fact that there's controversy I, because no women directors were nominated yeah. this year. Sarah Polly got overlooked and Gina yeah. Bryce, uh, uh, Gina Prince Bythewood got overlooked. And there's a lot of other categories, a lot of other candidates who should yeah. be in the running. I have a, a what if Spielberg doesn't make it in? And then they put like because Fableman seems to have like, again, we're talking box office. That doesn't mean quality, but Fableman's no, chatter, d- too. Chatter, too. Fableman seems to the, the chatter on that has lessened. Yep. It's cool. and yeah. And I just wonder, like, do you think Spielberg gets bumped and they put in Todd Field? I mean, I can't, I don't ima- think so. I can't imagine. I don't think so. There's not, no not, way. Not right? There's no way. Not yeah. for Fableman's. I mean, no, I'm just no, I'm just okay. playing devil's advocate here, but I'm, I'm just thinking of like. And you can't bump the, the Daniels movie. because like you, I can see them bumping the Daniels saying like, you guys are young. You're going to get your shot. But like that movie is them. You I mean, know? And, that, and that, I mean, my God, like that is the most directed movie of the year. So yeah. look at, so Jake always brings this point up. Here's why I think everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once to win best picture. It's definitely going to win editing. We know that. I think that so. movie is going to win editing. I and I, so. and I, and generally speaking, as Jake's pointed out, the combination of the editing award to best picture is pretty astounding. And I think yeah. everything everywhere all at once, it, it everything everywhere all at once has everything. And here's why. It's a it's a <laughs> critical it's a yeah, but it's, it no, it but it's, it's literally it. at once. <laughs> but think about it. It's it's not just a critical success and like beloved by 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 the academy. It is a it is a uh box office success and a yeah. massive hit. So it's almost like and a, and a hit in 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 terms of like a film of that scale coming out and then actually gaining a hundred million dollars plus at box office plus whatever it's doing at home. That film to me feels like the perfect formula of a film that works for audiences, but also works for the Academy. And if they win editing, I think it's over. And tell me that to, to further that, that, that everything everywhere all at once doesn't fit the list of, of best picture winners recently. When you look oh, at Parasite, and Coda, Parasite, Nomadland, yes. Coda, interesting. Everything everywhere all at once feels uh, Coda like, feels like a safe choice. Coda feels Coda was more great, like though. overpower the dog. It's great. It's great. Power of the dog is terrible. Coda feels like a smaller choice is, is my thought. Power I just think everything terrible. everywhere all at once had, I keep saying it, it has, it has it all. Like it, it, it's, yeah. and I think avatar is going to be, I, I and we'll dive into this when we review it. I think Avatar is going to obviously be a huge success. It's probably going to cross two billion very easily. Um, just be considering uh, if you watch Sean's interview about the number of 3D theaters that exist now versus the number oh, of 3D theaters that existed in 2009. It's astounding. Um, and China is going to be a gigantic yeah. box office for that movie. But I just feel like it's going to be that big movie versus the. And I don't even want to call everything everywhere at once a small film. It's a twenty-five million dollar film, which is you know a pretty good budget. But compared to Avatar, which I don't three hundred, four hundred million, whatever the budget on that was, I don't know for sure. Definitely well over two hundred. Um, I, I just wanna, think it's going to be an interesting thing. We, we got to transition soon because I do want to ask you guys a question about the Avatar box office, and it's that is James Cameron going to have three of the top four? All-time yes. grossing films? Yes. Wow. Because, first of all, think about it like this. Avatar 1 came out in 2009 and then basically, essentially, uh, started that whole 3D craze for what we saw in, in, that, in that particular element. The number of theaters that exist now that are 3D capable, plus the ticket price hike that's happened yep. since 2009, that movie's probably going to make $700 million this weekend worldwide. 
I mean, I, I it's going to be. Is it opening gonna, everywhere at the same time? I think so. Out? I so Jake Jake sent this tweet the other day that the movie could do two hundred million alone in China this weekend, yeah. wow. and then if it does. 150 to 175 here. Maybe it does a half a billion this weekend worldwide. Yeah. I think 700 is a little ambitious, but I <laughs> remember that movie opened up in 2009. There was a major snowstorm on the East Coast. Mm. Remember this, Sean? Yeah. And the box office suffered that first yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. It only did 70. That right. First it only did 70 because the entire Wait. East Coast. You remember that? Yeah, but I think Cameron said recently. Uh, he goes, I won't know how well this movie is going to do until week four. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, oh, like yeah. The fourth weekend, because he said oh, yeah. um, and he pointed out with the first Avatar, he said we didn't come busting out of the gate. Um, Snowstorm. People. It was word of word of mouth and, and repeat viewing, essentially. But yeah. if it um, makes seven hundred million dollars in the first three days, I think that's pretty that's easy to be able to kick story. back and go. <laughs> yeah, we're story. good. I will say yeah, this. Yeah. I was on I was on the air today and I guess do you want, should we transition down to Avatar? Well, let's take a break first. Let's take a quick uh, ad break and we'll come back on the other side and start to review this week's movies, of which case uh, Avatar The Way of Water will be one of them. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly, and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. And we are back. Okay, so two big movies are opening this week one is going to netflix the other one is going to every movie theater screen known to mankind uh so we'll start with bardo false chronicle of a handful of truths and this is the new film by alejandro uh in and it's following the pattern of some major filmmakers that we've been discussing the past couple of years who are making uh very heavy uh autobiographical films and whether it be the fablemans uh, or roma uh, by uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Like I'm missing one too. Isn't there another one in there that was kind of a uh, autobiographical? Uh, 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 Belfast. Belfast for Kenneth Branagh, right? I mean, um, yeah. but it's but it's structured the way that you would expect an Inuritu movie to be structured. In which case, I mean, very bizarre. And it follows a uh, character who is essentially supposed to be him, uh, a documentary filmmaker who is uh, wrestling with his next project. Um, and that is very much about his associations with uh, Mexico and his Mexican heritage. But the fact that he has to go to Los Angeles uh, often for his work and how he feels like he's torn in between the two places. Um, and how is he raising his children? Is he raising them American? Is he raising them uh, Mexican? Uh, the way that he's treated by his friends and admirers back home um, and the way that he is wrestling with just a lot of the challenges that you would assume Inurito probably faced over the course of his career. Um, it is 
a magnificent movie that I understand is not going to work for everybody. Um, because first off, it's very long. Uh, it's about two hours and 45 minutes. And there are chunks of it throughout while you're watching it because he'll do something like this. He'll go down a, a pathway where he is um, all of a sudden the character feels like he is um, the child version of himself being lectured by his father who has been uh, who has passed away and he encounters him in a bathroom like during a party that he's at. So he steps into the bathroom and he turns around and his father comes walking into the room and you know, you understand that his father has passed away because the guy is surprised to see him. And then over the course of their conversation, uh, Inuritu shrinks the body of the character that you're watching, but keeps the size of his human, his adult human head, the same size. And he's like looking up at his dad and his dad's trying to say to him, like, hey, you just got to make the right decisions moving forward and trust your gut and, you know, go with the advice that I always said. But it makes it visually look like he's a child again like he's become a child again he's listening to his father and so he uses a lot of visual tricks to really convey like this is how i feel at this point in my thing um but he really doesn't mind digging into the issues that personally uh plague him like he'll sit in the back of a taxi cab and the guy will say oh are you in town for another movie and uh he'll say well i'm kind of working on this one uh and the guy would be like, oh, yeah, I haven't watched any of your other ones kind of thing. But I've heard that you're not that great of a director sort of thing. And you just do these things you assume that filmmakers hear over the course of the thing. But like I was saying, there's chunks of time where you're sitting through where you're thinking to yourself, like, why am I watching this? Like, this is really nasal gazing, uh, navel gazing where, you know, you're losing me a little bit in this as you uh, wander a bit. But by the end of this film. Where he's going with it ties it all together in a way that just floored me. Like I was not expecting it to all come together the way that it did. And it, you all of a sudden understand the structure of the movie and you understand why you were lost throughout it the whole time and how it's coming back together and landing. And so ultimately I found it to be a really brilliant movie my I just pray that because it's on Netflix, that when people give it a shot, because I was lucky enough to see it on the big screen, that when people give it a shot, that they are willing to stick with it because it is ultimately a a wonderful, wonderful movie that I think is going to challenge some folk to get through if they're not totally plugged into what he's trying to do. And a big thing that I thought was interesting that you told me was that I need to because um, we're now in that point where we are putting the finishing final touches on our top 10 list. And you told me I need to see it before finalizing my top 10. Oh, I think and it's going to make mine. Yeah, uh, it is going to make mine. I'm trying to figure out a time when I can potentially revisit it um, to find out 100 percent where it's going to go. Well, Netflix um, this weekend. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, well, you no, know, it's just the time, <laughs> just the time unfortunately. Oh, uh, um, did you do you have a star rating for it? I know some people like star ratings. I would go four and a half out of five. Wow. I'd go four and a half out of five. It's truly the, the main character gives an amazing performance. I wish I knew the actor's name. Um, I don't recognize him from anything. Pull it up. Uh, everybody who comes in around him is fantastic. Um, and they all contribute really interesting components to the filmmaker's life, to the documentary filmmaker's life. There's a, 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 a bit that takes place on a talk show where one of his best friends that he grew up with is is questioning him heavily about the decisions that he's made through the course of his filmmaking career. Um, and then Inurito 
standing character realizes that he can't speak for himself anymore. Like it's a lot of symbolism. It's heavy symbolism. And you understand that he, that this is the filmmaker who's kind of exposing himself to, this is really how I feel. This is, these are my emotions kind of laid bare. Um, and some may find that pretentious, but I, I found it to be incredibly, incredibly engrossing. Uh, also, I want to say, oh yeah, Gabe, do you have the name? Sorry. Uh, Daniel Jimenez Cacho, I believe is how he's, you pronounce that. He's fantastic in this movie. Yeah. And what's right. interesting is that uh, he was in, uh del toro's movie chronos oh and, yeah that's right and yeah. he um i believe this is the first in film shot fully in mexico since amores poros um which okay. i remember amores poros was the first movie i saw of in i remember renting it at blockbuster and it just like blew my mind but, but it was also a really hard movie that i'll never see again because of the dogs there's some yeah. dog stuff in that film that's really tough but um he also it's 21 grams as well i mean like he has a hell of a filmography um, so I'm, I mean, Birdman clearly, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I, I wanna, love I, Babel. I love ba- I thought yeah, Babel. Babel was great. Perfect. Yeah. I, I need to go back and watch 21 grams. I remember devastating me. Oh, yeah. oh. And then, and then of course he wins for the Revenant, which I think I liked more than you guys. Did. I love the, Re- the Revenant was my number one that year. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Love the Revenant. Revenant. Terrific. I, I yeah, like yeah. that film a lot. I, I, I like the way it, I like the way it's shot more than I like the story and the characters. But a, I think it's really well done. Yeah. Tom Hardy and Leonardo DiCaprio are really. Chivo shot the hell out of that movie. To me, Chivo's yeah, the star. Yeah, <laughs> so, and the bear. Also the, and bear. the bear. Yeah. All right, Jakey, why don't you kick us off with uh, your thoughts on the new Jim Cameron film, uh, Avatar The Way of Water. Oh, I wanted to mention this, too. If we get to this point with the best picture, do we think Avatar gets a best picture nomination? Yes. Do we think that Top Gun Maverick gets a best picture nomination? 100%. Yes. How about Glass Onion? No. Uh, I mean, I, uh my, my argument is knives out didn't and knives out i feel like had like more of the novelty to it yeah better movie, though. better movie i like the first one better did you uh, i, I love like the it, new one i think it would be cool both, to see yeah. three sequels in the best picture nominee okay like, when's the last time three sequels would have been in the happen. best picture glass Race. onion could get could get in there i mean with that 10 that 10 i'm just I, I have to look at all the lists i mean we already know for sure that it's like terrific Tar will be in there, and like you know, there's you a lot. It's not of, good. No, so it's not getting in there. It's oh. not getting in there. Oh, you said it's not no. good. No, 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 no. And we were gonna have to recast <laughs> this. I, th- I think, I think maybe like uh, I think maybe it has a shot at maybe adapted screenplay or maybe Janelle Monet for supporting actress, but I don't now think that, it's getting in for. So, sure. do you Janelle Monet deserves a nomination? Her performance yeah, sure. in Glass Onion is incredible. I would agree with that. Right? Do you want to oh. know where Gold Derby has it at the moment in their best sure. picture? Of course, I where? do. Number yeah. twelve. Yeah, it's right on the cusp. Well, get, 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 read the 10. I'm curious what the 10 yeah. are. Uh, I'll start with 11 because I find it's interesting that this is above Glass Onion. The Woman King is like, number 11. Oh, I feel like Woman yeah. King's been gaining yeah. traction. I, I hope it was Woman on, King. It was on, what, the AFI top 10? It was on the National Board of Review top 10. And that then their, awesome. their top 10 at the moment are, uh, starting at 10, is The Whale, Elvis, Babylon, The Way of Water, Tar, Women Talking at number 5, Top Gun Maverick, Banshees, everything, everywhere, all at once, and then the Fablemans at number one. I don't know if I agree entirely with that. that it's list. early. I think that I yeah. think their list gets better as more comes sure. out. Sure. So Do you early. think? And Sean mentioned this earlier about the lack of female director nominees in the Golden Globes. Do you think that there'll be a uh, that that will turn into nominations for the Oscars? Like, do you think that like Sarah Polly will get in or Gina uh, Prince Bythewood? I mean, like, like there's. 
I mean, I, I would love to see Gina get in. I thought Woman King was outstanding. I, would like to see, I, I, would, I think Gina deserves a shot to get in. I'm not quite sure Woman Talking was directed well. Because I, I don't. I, see, listen, I, see, I again, disagree. I actually would take Sarah Pauly, um over Gina uh, over Gina just because I feel like I mean I mean I was captivated by women talking and we're yeah. literally we're literally talking about a movie in which like a group of people are sitting around a room literally talking to each other and for yeah. two hours I was in and to me yeah. that's that's direction like that's I mean that's yeah. how, how yeah, she you, was able to direct that yeah direction uh, you know we like to think of direction as like showy shots and sure. things like that but like and the direction like, really comes down so, to that yeah. the, that yeah. that aspect of it and like like making a really good solid film even if it's in one space like the whale is is basically takes place in essentially but one we're not area. talking about aronofsky getting in because he, yeah. he ain't getting in all right it, it, get, it is very good it is uh jake the way it was yes um, I, I've been leading off my avatar reviews with people around the newsroom or friends or family or whatever the case might be by reminding people that I don't particularly love the first one. Um, mm. You know, I, I, I think like everyone, I just recently went back and rewatched it for the first time in years in its entirety. And it was the most I liked it. But I still think it's it's bottom tier Cameron. Um, I, I was not enamored or or sucked into the world of pandora uh when it initially came out 13 years ago like everyone else seemed to be i remember whenever it became the highest grossing film of all time there was a part of me that sort of went really like mm. that movie yeah. that, that that movie like like I, I i remember kind of being bummed that it beat titanic because i love titanic so much more than avatar i mean um, it is that, a better movie it is a better movie that being said um i completely worship the way of water like there was a moment where just in my head i just kept thinking like welcome back james cameron like you like every everything about the film i think is an infinite improvement um i i think the story is so much better. I think, you know, now that sort of the the world and the characters and the rules have already been established, we can just jump right into it and let's let's go. Um, I I do think that the honestly, like I do think the script is I that, you know, we were just talking about, you know, uh, before we start recording, you know, some of the some of the awkward lines and awkward line readings of the first one. And I didn't there to me, there were no like cringy moment like I like granted. It's not like I don't think he's going to get an Oscar nomination for the script. I, I don't I don't I don't think the script has really like any any major glaring issues. You know, like yeah. Cameron's never been like script, like storytelling. Yes. But script writing has never been I mean, don't, like I don't even think I he mean, got a nomination for I don't think Titanic got a screenplay nomination. Like, T2 you know, like, is you know. a pretty good script, man. But it's yeah, come with Pretty me. Good to live. It's, it's yeah. a lot of great lines. Um, but but everything about Avatar, I just think like I mean, I it it, it gave me the it finally gave me the experience that I felt like everyone else was having for the first one, except me. Like I yeah. finally like there was a moment where I was like, oh, I get it. Now I feel like now I see what all of you were going nuts about thirteen years ago. Like I felt right. like like as someone who does not love three D. I was super into the whole 3D. Like I, like I felt, you know, it not not like a bit like things shooting out at you, but I felt when we were underwater, I was like, holy crap! Like Depth it feels, field. it my god, yeah, hundred percent. That's exactly hundred percent. Like I just felt every everything about it just had a texture to it. I mean, you know, I just like like the the skin of the Navi. I feel like I know what their skin feels like. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. there's there are moments where when they emerge from the water and you can see. The water running down there. I felt like I, I knew what it felt like for the water to like run down 
There's everything about it felt like it had a texture. It felt real. I felt completely immersed in this world. And it was just so like, oh, my God. OK, I, I, I totally, totally get it now. And I found myself emotionally moved by the end. Like I, I was kind of into the characters and and the final act is some of the best action I felt like I have seen in years and, and and some top tier and i feel like this is the ultimate glowing response top tier james cameron action like that final act was a little bit aliens a little bit avatar a lot of bit titanic all kind of thrown onto pandora and honestly whenever the film ended for the first time in 13 in the, since the existence of pandora in my mind i was like okay i'm ready for i'm ready for a sequel like bring on bring on the next one i'm ready to go when avatar 3 starts ramping back up i'm gonna be I'm going to be in. I'm I'm 100% officially on board with the world of Avatar and Pandora now. So here's why I think that I share your sentiment um, as opposed to the first one. I, I care way more about the character system. Mm-hmm. And some yeah. people have said that it's really smart that he included uh, kids and a family, mm-hmm. that that gave you a more of an emotional component. And maybe that's what it is. Because if I try to think back truthfully to the story of the first Avatar, like I was not invested in Jake Sully. I didn't necessarily care you know, who he was and whether he was going to connect with Neytiri. I didn't really know that much about the Navi. So I wasn't really invested in them as a, as a species or a culture or, and then, you know, uh, Stephen Lang is terrifying as a villain, but he's playing a one note villain at that, at at this point, the stakes are raised emotionally in this one um, to the point where yes, that third act is truly um, I think the reason to go see the movie Um, Mm -hmm. it's you're, because I've been lucky enough to see it twice. I stayed behind and I watched the world premiere and I will admit that there are some chunks through the middle that are very important to James Cameron, um, but extend the story probably a little more than, than they probably should. And they have to do with whales. There's a lot of whales, a lot of whales, <laughs> a lot of whales, a lot of whale but the, eyeballs, but that third act counts because you care about the characters. Um, it's one of those deals without giving anything away where there's four different storylines happening and they are intersecting um, and they're crisscrossing and it doesn't matter which one he chooses to follow. You care. You're invested totally in what's happening on subplot A, subplot B, subplot C. And it's using um, it's Cameron's entire bag of tricks. Like you see bits of Titanic, you see bits of True Lies, you see bits of the Terminator franchise, you see uh, all of it. The Abyss specifically um, all rolled into this incredible, incredible blockbuster. Um, I will push back a little bit on what Jake said about anticipating the third one, but I'll explain why in the spoiler section for now, Kev, I know you liked as much as we did. Uh, what did we miss? Yeah. I mean, first of all, a lot of questions, I've been getting a lot of questions on, on social media about what, how to watch this film, uh, in its proper fashion. Um, so for people out there listening to our show and you're buying tickets, uh, I, in my opinion, the way it was shot because he shot the film with 3d this is not conversion and honestly like one of the things i've been telling people people who are like i'm over 3d i don't really want to put those glasses back on i'm like i'm telling you this is this is the guy who created a camera specifically with the original avatar that is now filming a movie in 3d that is not converted um and so 3d is the key one of the keys the second one is high frame rate but this film was shot with 48 frames per second. And then some of the scenes are 24 frames per second, which are double printed um, to give it a perspective. And I'll keep this brief. I read somewhere one time that your eyes basically see the world. If you were to put it into a frame rate ratio at around 60 frames per second, I don't know if that's hundred percent accurate, but it makes sense when I make this uh, connection. 
cinema movies have been projected at 24 frames forever, right? They've been shot 24 frames, projected 24 frames. So our mind looks at 24 frames per second as movie. That's why when you walk into like you put your 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 TV on motion blur or whatever, it looks too real or too like jolting. It's because you're 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 messing with the idea of what your mind thinks to be a film and cinema and storytelling. So we've seen filmmakers tackle the 48 frames per second before. Obviously, we saw it with with what Peter Jackson did with The Hobbit, which I thought was an interesting experiment. I, again, I don't think anybody really loved it, but I found it interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously, Ang Lee's played with um, the frame rates uh, as well. But this time is they've actually got it. And so if you think about it this way, if you think about 48 frames per second, that's closer to that 60 that I was talking about. Right. And so it's closer to the real way your mind kind of computes life. So when you're in stand, when you're in this state of the art 3D experience at 48 frames per second, it's just jaw-dropping um and you are going to notice probably in the first hour these shifts in 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 frame rates uh you'll see it go from 48 which is like a super glossy beautiful feel to a little bit more of a jittery uh 24 frame double printed image and 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 cameron landau talk about how the action scenes are really in that 48 and some of the more intimate dialogue goes back to the 24 now i want to quote landau on this guy landau gave a really good example so when you're if you were to take a camera and go along a white picket fence left to right on screen at 24 frames a second, depending on the speed you're going, you're going to get blur in between each of the pickets of the fence because it's not picking up enough information for it for it to be a, a flow, a flowing shot. So a lot of the action in Avatar Way of the Water is a lot of shots that go left to right. And when you're in 48 and you're going real fast and you're dealing with real quick action, it looks unbelievable. There's no blur. There's no lag. Um, So I know these are technical things and I'm not saying this is what makes the movie great. But if you are going to go to a theater, I would see it 3D. Look for the word high frame rate or ask the theater if they have the high frame rate. They should. And I know a lot of theaters have the capacity. I'm seeing it in high frame rate tomorrow at an AMC. And then also Dolby. Dolby is the ultimate way to see it in terms of sound. Um, There is an IMAX version. It was not shot with IMAX cameras. So I think the Dolby 3D high frame rate is the way to go, in my personal opinion. So some prints that don't have the frame rate? Yeah, so you can, I mean, you can see the film in 24 frames with, uh, now remember, these are digital prints. It's not projecting 24, but yes, you can see see the film in in 24 frames, non-3D if you want. That's totally fine. Interesting. And Landau even said that, he said it to me. He was like, you know, if you're not a 3D fan or that high, fr- if the high frame rate, I'm I'm paraphrasing him. There yeah, is yeah. options to see it outside of the 2D. Listen, I mean, I think people are going to be it's going to blow people away from like a shocking standpoint. Like when you see this 3D in 48 frames, it is I mean, you guys have seen it. It's pretty wild looking. Well, the only point, thing I've yeah. seen with the, with higher frame rate, the things that I've seen have stood out because of how weird it looks. Mm-hmm. And I guess the only credit I can give to this one is that when I went to the higher frame rates, it I didn't notice the difference. I didn't. It looked right realistic it's still real yeah because you're in and also uh, and again this is so technical but remember everything you're seeing i mean obviously you're seeing a cg film with animation and everything but these actors performed this and they also mastered and got the underwater performance capture to work jake brings up a, a shot that is incredibly hard to pull off a simple shot of a character coming out of the water yeah. requires two completely different setups in terms of like lighting because Basically, you're dealing with the performance capture suit the actor's wearing underwater. They're coming up. 
And then you have to, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, because you're dealing with actors who are underwater. Like if you see an actor underwater swimming with fish, they're literally moving underwater in a performance capture suit that's picking up their action. And then we're then putting that to camera with CGI or we're putting it to the screen with CGI. So it's not just a CGI character underwater. It's a actor doing it. And then they make like it just, should be like an animated golem. feature. Is it an animated feature? Why isn't Avatar animated, but no, Marcel it's the Shell is animated? Because there's a lot of live action in, in Way of Water. I don't when understand they, uh, why Marcel the Shell is animated. I don't remember. Remember, like like the first Avatar, there's there's a lot of live. See, to me, what's interesting about Avatar is when you jump back and forth between that live action world. And then in this one, you're really getting a lot of like Stephen Lang in the original. You get these in, interactions between the human live action characters. Remember, there's, there's, one of the lead characters in this film is live action. Um, spider. Yeah, true, true, true. And yeah, so that true. that character is pivotal to this that's film, and and yeah. he's live action. Um, and in the whole world is you know in the Navi and and the, uh, what were the name? Uh, what was the name of the was it the Reef people like the the yeah, Kate Winslet the, and Cliff Curtis? I'm trying to remember the name of the exact. I will butcher. Forgive it. me Here, on that. Here's yeah, the thing: but, I, I have yeah. kind of committed to the fact that I'm not going to learn the Navi uh, right, right. nomenclature. I think I think Cameron is too far into his myth. At that point, you know, with the the names of the different people and the names of the whales and the names right. of the different creatures, I, that loses me. When like when well, we start to get into that, I, I get lost. I still look at the certain characters. I'm like, well, there's teenage Sigourney Weaver, and there's maybe Kate Winslet. <laughs> we didn't know it's Kate a little Winslet's bit harder character. than than. Well, okay, so here's the question though: Why do we know all the Star Wars creatures? But we don't know the like. Why do why well, do I know what I, I mean? Granted, this is you the know, second just, Avatar out sure. of like twenty Star Wars sure. things. Uh, but, you know but, I mean? I, but you know, but like Sean, like like you know what a Tauntaun is, or you know what a uh, what a I Bantha sure is. Do. Bet your ass I know what a Tauntaun is. I actually don't know. I, I've seen all. I don't even know what those are. Um, in all honesty, though, so 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 after all that technical stuff I just said, is the movie good? This is what I've been saying all along. Like the first film was technically brilliant because of what he was able to do, but the story and the script to me were, were just lacking. It just felt, it didn't feel like the same heart that went into the tech went into the story this time it's equal. Um, yeah. And like the beauty of watching this film is that you think about your brain, almost like a 3d camera. So like you have, you know, I don't know how this camera operates on this new one, but it, you know, think about one lens with two cameras left and right. Right. And think about your mind kind of like that. So if you're watching Avatar The Way of Water, you can but you can go in between the tech and the story and never get lost in the immersion. Like for me, anytime I wanted to check out for a second and just look at the spectacle of what I was watching, that was a way for me to like check out. Not in a bad way. I check out, go back in. I'm like, but I'm immersed in the story. So it's like at the same time, he wrote a really compelling story. He There's did. some exposition and some story. I think the middle is a little bit long. There's some repeat sequences that happen, but as you guys said, the third act pays off. Um, but I think this is, it's an incredible cinematic achievement. And I, I think I'll tell you right now, I've been on, I was on the air today telling my um, anchors about the high frame rate. And I've been getting a lot of texts from friends who are like, how do I find this? So if you have any questions, you can tweet us, tweet me specifically. I did this with like a lot of the Nolan yeah, tweet films. Kevin. But when Nolan released, when Nolan put out like Interstellar, when he put out Interstellar and Dunkirk, uh, I I asked people to tweet me their zip codes so I could find them a 70 millimeter IMAX theater. This won't be hard to find a high frame rate theater. Most theaters, I believe, in in the country are going to be equipped to play it like this. I just don't know 
what that means for projectors and things. But just look for the words high frame rate, 3D and Dolby, and that'll be your ultimate way to see it. And if it makes you feel weird watching the frame rate, just go to go, go to a, a standard showing. Um, but I think the high frame rate here, as you guys all pointed out, it yeah. works. It works. If the really frame well. rate bothers you, why don't you go see Puss in Boots instead? OK, <laughs> take, take uh, your butt over to Puss in Boots. But also you have to remember hey, don't knock Puss in Boots. You're not better than Puss in Boots. You're seeing <laughs> good point. you're seeing something you've never seen before. So give it a chance. Like, it's going to be weird. Like, you're going to sit there. I even looked at Jake uh, in the first 15 minutes. I was like, dude, this this seems strange, right? You see they're cutting back and forth between the 48 and the 24 double printed. And he's like, he's like, I didn't even notice it. But I'm like, I'm like, but I think it is a little jarring. But give your mind, as Sean said, give your mind time. Because you're basically watching something that's never been done before. At least at this scale and this level and the performance capture and everything. It, 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 to think back to Andy Serkis's early work on motion capture and to go where we are now with the performance capture we are dealing with here. Imagine where we're going to be in 10 more years. It's pretty wild. It's Avatar three comes out. All right. Why don't we transition into some spoilers, minor spoilers. So if you haven't yet seen the film and you want to be protected by uh, everything, then fast forward to the James Cameron blend section of the podcast at this point. But uh, I'll start because I just want to push back where Jake was saying when we got to the end of this movie that he was looking forward to part three. I I was a little concerned because the last thing that happens in the movie is uh, Jake Sully essentially saying, hey, we're water people now. This is our home uh, and this is where we're going to make our stand. Well, I like that worries me because I thought that's what they've been doing for the past two movies. Like, haven't they been making their stand? Like, what's. Is part three going to be like an all out war? And if so, why? Because like the driving point of this movie, this story was we want to get Jake Sully, right? Like I, I kind of joked to both of you guys that like, Dan, they really hated Jake Sully in this movie. They spent a <laughs> lot of money to go get him. And that was the driving narrative, right? So I kind of thought that that part three was going to be its own story separate. And that last line worried me at all. Did it not strike you guys that way? In the, the, thing, the, the, the thing that worried me, not even so much worries that like, I, I mean, I want every new Avatar movie to take me to a different part of Pandora or like even yes. like a different like I'd love because Pandora is a moon to a bigger planet. So I've kind of been wondering like what that bigger planet is like. Yep. Um, so for me. It was less the concern of um, like we're starting our our war now and more the concern of like, oh, like, are we just going to stay in the water area of Pandora? Like, is that all? But Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I I I have a feeling that like James Cameron is going to give us completely new experience for part three as he did for part two. I I, I highly doubt he's content with staying there. I I think we're going to see areas of Pandora we've never seen before. I think so, too. I think he's even teased like there are like cold cold weather type or mountain type that's cool locations of pandora that they would that they could explore oh man snow oh let's say snow is a mountain snow 3d 3D with the 48 frames yeah that'd be sick that'd be really really cool um and then of course there were just there are a bunch of questions that weren't answered which i think is okay like i think it's still interesting to keep the mythology going there's a lot of questions about who sigourney weaver's characters uh, father is at this right. point. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't fully understand with Stephen Lang's character of why you can't just consistently reboot him to me. And maybe I just missed it. It feels like mean? they ha- like that. They have his in that exposition dump that we were talking about. Yeah. He says, essentially, we have your brain waves. Right. Um, and your personality. Yeah. And 
and we want to transition it into an avatar now. Right. Um, but if that avatar were to die, right. don't they just have the backup? Don't they just yeah. have his brainwaves? I mean, theoretically, that, that that would be OK. So one of the big questions that people are wondering is how is Stephen Lang back? He died in the first one. So yeah. that to what Sean just said, essentially, they're uploading his consciousness to uh, an avatar. So again if i understand the rules of this properly um it i believe yeah so and i guess we're in spoiler territory so obviously he lives uh in this one Uh, um but yeah theoretically i guess they if if the avatar body were to die they could re-upload it to a different avatar though i don't know you know how much time that would take to build his new avatar but then also maybe that becomes a plot point in the newer ones where they have to break into the human facility and and take his consciousness and unplug him or so i don't know i don't know how that would like become a thing but it's an interesting point because and one thing i will say about this film which really works is that dynamic between spider and him is really fascinating yeah like it's a really and, and and it's a push pull that works it's earned like that, that emotional idea, especially when that scene, when, when he has the knife, uh, when, uh, it's towards the third act and like, yeah, uh, essentially spider, you know, not forgives him, but understands like there's still a connection. That stuff was interesting. Like that was really well, he interesting. Saves him. He essentially emotion. Saves him. Like right. Jake finally I, let him sink to the bottom of the ocean and spider saves him. Right. And then to the Sigourney Weaver thing, which is interesting. Yeah. So well, obviously she died in the first one. This character she's playing here is new. It's the it, it, we believe it's the daughter, right? Of it's, a, it's the daughter that was spawned from Sigourney Weaver's avatar because Sigourney Weaver had an avatar at the right. end of the first movie. But couldn't the father then be Joel David Moore, who also well, I, was I an avatar? I think that was a throwaway line. I mean, I don't. I, don't, really? I, I, I mean, I, I never got like the that film never implied. I mean, and also my my interpretation of what's happening because of her connection to the world around her. Oh, because yeah. when Sigourney Weaver died, she was kind of enveloped by that tree and that world and kind of the, the, the life force. So I, I, I think that has something to do. I, I think it would be way too simplistic Something's to try to imply there. that like, Oh, these two characters were actually having a relationship at that time. Cause he just, he just met her right when the first avatar well, started. The- it's also uh, watching it through the second time. Yeah. They had just met. That's true. Very much so. Um, watching it through the second time, there's far more emphasis on her character. Is it Kiri? Eerie, yeah, is that what her, her the, the, the is? younger character. Yeah, yeah. She adapts much faster to the yes. water creatures and mm-hmm. the the nature underneath the water than the rest of the oh. Sully family. Essentially, her scene when she's exploring the water for the first time is one of the most yeah. magical yeah. sequences I've ever. It's such a beautiful scene. And later, when she's able to command those light creatures and create a path for her family to follow out, like. The movie is telling you she has a lot more power, yeah. you know, and connection to this world than could, the other characters. Could it be an immaculate be. conception thing? Could be. Could yeah. be the tree. Is that could, a stupid could, question? That, no, I, that's it. Honestly, that's kind of how no. that's kind of how I interpreted it, to be honest. Like, that's kind of that's, like there's I, no father. I don't think that there's like a legitimate like, oh, like like Sigourney Weaver was having a, a secret avatar sex relationship with someone that we never <laughs> found out about. I mean, like, right. I mean, at, at, at this point. You can't, you know, because it's it's already a surprise that Stephen Lang's character had a son. You can't keep telling us that all these people had secret <laughs> relationships and sons and didn't and didn't know about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Very all true. right, we'll, we'll we'll dive into more spoilers because the, to me, those are the two biggest questions that we had to, that I wanted to get get across here. How is sure. how is uh, Quaritch back and how is how is Sigourney Weaver's character? But other than that, that we'll we'll save 
more of our deep dive into other yeah. things and theories. And, you know, we want to hear from you guys and we know Gabe's seeing it tonight. So we'll have Gabe chime in on the spoiler side of things once he sees it too. Cause I'm, in, I'm interested. These are all interesting questions, but like I, th- you know, going back to what I was saying in the review, the emotion works here really mm-hmm. well. And, and a lot of it has to do with that spider character in Quaritch. Like, like yeah. to me, those are the two, like that, that's a very, very impactful part. Well, of and film. Zoe Saldana's performance. Oh, oh my, my God. God. There is a scene again. I, I'm, I'm out of spoilers now. I'm going to be vague. There's a scene with Zoe where she makes a face that will yeah. haunt me forever. Like yeah. I cannot stop thinking about her eyes. She's in that, yeah. If she had more to do, scene. I would, I would argue we should be talking about her as a best actress contender, but I just feel like she's, yeah. she kind of takes a much more of a backseat in this one than I thought she was going to. Until she, until she, until she, until she does. Yeah. <laughs> she is a badass in that third yeah, act, yeah. man. Woo. All right. Let's throw to uh, one more ad break and we'll come back with James Cameron blend on the other side. All right, and we're back. This week's blend game is hashtag James Cameron blend. I'm going to let Kevin go first. He's our Cameron guy. Kevin, Kevin doesn't even like James Cameron. Yeah. Did you guys we make found me T2 out. off the board for him or is it is yes. T2? Oh, T2, we took T2 off the board. We're mentioning T2 is like that is the obvious pick. So yeah. what is the, what's the other? Not the obvious pick, pick though. Well, well I, I, my, pick, my pick for I me. Like. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, T2 I clearly it. is my pick, but um, I'm going True Lies um, because it's so when I was a kid, when I saw Terminator 2, I was eight. And if I'm not mistaken, T- True Lies was right after it, like a couple, like a year or two after T2. What? Was it 94, 95? I could be wrong. Jake, I think you know right. the time. Yeah. Um, right. So when I saw True Lies, I was in full Arnold mode <laughs> like that. He was everything like back then. Terminator 2 changed my whole life in terms of like my my love for films. But then I went back and like found Predator and freaking Red. Uh, was it Red? Uh, What's the movie he called? It was Jim Belushi. Come on. Uh, I can't remember the name right off the top of my head. Anyways, then there was like Conan the Barbarian and like all those great movies. Someone let the me know about the name, the name of that, of that, movie? that red movie. Um, anyway, so True Lies came at a time in my life. That was it was it was the perfect moment. It was also the same director as Terminator 2. It made Red my, Sonia, Red Sonia, Red Sonia. No, no, no. That's I know, not, there's another not one. The, not with Jim Belushi. There's like a oh, funny cop oh. comedy where Arnold's a Russian. Is it red? Uh, Maybe I'm wrong. No, no, no. It's what is the name of that movie. All right, I'll look it up later. Keep, keep, I'll, uh, look, I'll look it up. All right. So True Lies came at a, at a, at a time in my red life heat. when I, Red Heat. Red Heat. Red heat. Um, so T2 came or True Lies came at a perfect time. So I was all in on that style of writing and that action and that comedy and, and Arnold and kind of like the opening scene when he's in the ice and he comes up and he does the tango. And then like there's that whole thing with him and Tom Arnold. They're so funny together in the film. I also thought it was a really clever idea. I love the concept of, of, of a true lie. <laughs> I thought it was like a, a really smart idea. And I know it's, it's been done in movies before, but like. And then Jamie Lee Curtis's character having this want to be, um, you know, to be have, have adventure yet her husband's the most adventurous person on the planet. And then mm-hmm. Bill Paxton is hilarious in the film. Um, just a, a great performance from him. Uh, and honestly, like that film, like that, we talk about bathroom scenes, like jokingly, but like the Mission Impossible Fallout scene is iconically great. But the True Lies bathroom fight is freaking awesome when he puts that guy's head in the urinal and says cool off i mean it was just like so perfect and like thing that martin cameron lawrence did, really- did it better martin lawrence did it better in bad boys it, oh does he do a cool off line he d- he hits the guy into the <laughs> urinal uh he does have a line guy i can't remember what the says. line is it's yeah. terrific 
But anyways, like in terms of this, it was it was all I wanted and more from another James Cameron film. Also, I have a lot of memories of that movie. My parents uh, with T2, they wouldn't let me see it until it came out to VHS. Same thing with True Lies, but they let me watch True Lies. But everything except for Jamie Lee Curtis's dance scene. And I never understood that. I'm watching all this violence, all these like guns going off. Also, the bridge scene in True Lies is amazing. That whole scene when the the bridge is out. And like, I mean, just it's just awesome. And then, like, you know, obviously it all comes down to Arnold saying you're fired, which I think is just <laughs> just it's such a perfect one liner. And it's so great. Um, but again, you know, it's interesting because like T2, I think, is overall the better film. But True Lies has always had a special place in my heart. And I, and I love aliens and everything he's done. Um, but True Lies was like it came at a time in my life where I was just hungry for that style of filmmaking that like, and it was shot masterfully. It was beautifully shot. It was shot right here. And some of it was shot right here in DC. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love true lies. That, that, and if you can't, you can't find it anywhere. Uh, I guess it's Hulu. streaming it's on, on Hulu, Hulu. Um, Hulu. but with commercial uh, breaks, if we ever yeah. get James Cameron on the podcast, I need to ask him because right now we don't have a 4k release blu-ray of yeah, avatar I've had a lot of people tweeting me why didn't why we didn't ask about 4K. i know i should i didn't just like it. I, we yeah. only had four minutes i know but there's so right now there's no currently a 4k blu-ray of avatar no 4k blu-ray or blu-ray of true lies or the abyss uh aliens doesn't have a 4k titanic doesn't have a 4k the only 4ks you can get for james cameron films from what i understand is terminator 2 maybe terminator 1 but he said the abyss is coming the abyss is coming yeah um i think i think his answer would be there are shots in those films I don't want people to see in 4K because <laughs> I think he's really protective of like his older imagery. And he's like, I've seen him talk about that before. So that could be part of the reason he wants to go back through because on the T2 Blu-ray, they went back in and they put Arnold's face in some of the stunt shots. I hate that. A lot. I hate that. I'd that didn't rather, bother me. That I'd didn't bother me. Keep it the way it was. Because no, but when you're in 4K and you're watching Arnold jump off that that thing into like the water duct area, whatever it is, like you can see the stunt guy's face. Back then, they would have replaced it anyways. But so to me, that that's not a Han Greedo thing. That's just that's just a a, a that's digital a replacement to make it look guns better. to walkie talkies. That's guns to walkie talkies. Uh, no, it's not. All you're doing is replacing the the stunt face with with the actor who's the characters in the scene. It's not doesn't change the yeah, narrative. Yeah, I agree with Kevin. Change. That doesn't bother me. That to me, that's that's. Han and Greedo changes yeah. the whole course of, yeah. of, yes, of yeah. Han's course. character. That cha- yes, that changes. Yeah. So it's, that's course. different. Yeah. But I like the I like the nostalgia touch of Arnold, not Arnold. I, I think the, I think supply. the rule yeah. should be if the technology were available at the time, would Cameron would have, have done, done it. it? And I think he would have. What do you think about this? Post- what do you think about this rule? If you're going to re-release like an at-home version that has that, should you also give me the original that I saw when I? But then, but then yes. was it like there's going to be like the like on the on the DVD menu? It's going to say like like theatrical <laughs> and face version. What did they face call version. it? What did the, yeah. the fan made? Um, the despecialized Star Wars version. Did you ever see those? You could get despecialized. Online? Yeah, oh, someone like, someone yeah. went back in and they like yeah. stitched together. Hey, do you know like, who never wants the... never who never needs their face replaced? Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise in every oh, shot. Depends what you every shot. <laughs> I mean, all right, Jake, where'd you go? Um, I'm I'm going with Aliens, um, and I'm going to okay. keep this pretty tight because I want Gabe to get to Avatar. But the Xenomorph is my favorite cinematic monster. I just think it is like the most beautiful, crazy ass, terrifying, perfectly constructed monster in movie history. And obviously, by no means did James Cameron uh, create the Xenomorph or create Ellen Ripley or create LV-426. But what he did with it, I mean, he he expanded this world 
into this like un- I mean, basically the plot is let's go back. Mm. And and but like he goes back and just as simple as it is, like adding more of them. And and usually yeah. that's like there are so many aspects of what he does with aliens that are the cliche lazy aspects of what make most sequels suck like we're just going to go back to the same place you liked that one thing we're going to give you a bunch of those things but he takes it and just absolutely runs with it and also like the the tangible feel of the xenomorphs in this like it genuinely feels like we're on the planet the action is there all of the characters while both like stock military characters all feel like they have their own dimensions and personality. And I feel like I sort of know each one and like all leading up to like the fight with the, the, the queen mother. And you know, and I told James Cameron this and Sigourney Weaver this, which is that like, you have to, to a certain degree, kind of feel bad for her, because if you look at the story through her perspective, like these are her kids and these random ass aliens to her are coming to her planet. I'm with you. I always feel bad. You do have to like kind of, you know, like it's, you know, and, and she screams when she starts like. Like when uh, when Ellen Ripley starts burning the eggs and burning like the others, she's she's screaming and like I that mm. actually like and to me like that was haunting. I loved that yeah. and I honestly still think the and I'd be curious to do really quick what everyone's favorite Cameron shot is. I think my favorite Cameron shot is that moment where they lose Newt and Newt falls into the water and stands and she's in that tunnel that's kind of like halfway water and all of a sudden the alien the big tall xenomorph stands up behind her in the water and like rewatching the. My, for the for the people at home, I split my lip and I'm like gushing blood right now, so I apologize. <laughs> so I'll quick talking really quick. That it's is my cold favorite. In Chicago. It is very cold in Chicago. That is my favorite Cameron shot, and I've got to I got to give the edge to to aliens. All right. Well, you're both wrong. The answer is Titanic. Uh, it's the best <laughs> I movie. Love that, Titanic. It's the best movie he's ever made. Whoa! Um, wait, no. wait, no. If I were to pick best, I would pick T two. No, come on. Titanic. You is sleep better. on T two. Better than T two. I don't it's sleep not on better T2. than T two. Titanic is a better movie than T2. Um, but it's it not. is a more complete film. It is it. This man recreated uh, the ocean liner. Uh, and and not only that, he he found it. <laughs> no, he didn't find it, but went down to the bottom of the ocean to shoot footage at it. Great movie. Great um, movie. Used that to transition into this deft recreation of uh, the Titanic, you know, in its in its heyday. Uh, wrote again, like you say, stock characters, uh, the rich girl who's misunderstood, you know, the the bullish fiance played so beautifully by uh, Billy Crudup. Um, Billy Zane. Uh, Billy Zane. Thank Billy you very Zane. much. Um, Billy Zane's Titan- fantastic in Titanic. He's why, really did, good. why did he blow up after Titanic he, like everyone he else should did? have been Billy and, Crudup? Shouldn't it's it? such a hated oh, character. Like, and, and, like he's like that perfect character. That, What's like, his name? Cal. Yeah, he he, he like, yeah. He's like perfectly hateable. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like, you know like, that moment it, he flips the table's I mean? ad lib? He's content to be an idiot. He's content oh, to be yeah. an asshole. That's He's why. such a piece of crap. I, I made yeah, a great yeah, joke yeah. at the Avatar yeah. junket um, because by the time the hallway was packed with journalists and um, I was being led down to one of the rooms at the end by the handlers who were taking me from hospitality to go interview Kate Winslet, uh, and we were getting stopped up, stopped up, and I said, I have a child! And uh, <laughs> I figured everybody would clear oh. out of the way. It's such an awful thing for him to say. I will again, say, though, when the when the band is playing, when they're when the ship's going down, that gets me every time. That's a oh, it's great tremendous. scene. Oh. But we're sleeping on DiCaprio, you know, being the most uh, charming 
rogue that could ever be. Um, one of the greatest transitions, I'm not sure if it's greatest shot, but greatest transitions is when DiCaprio hands Rose the note uh, that says oh, meet me yeah. at the clock. And then she meets him. And then he says, do you want to go to a real party? And it's the it's the <laughs> Irish having a time in their oh, lives in the below deck. Scene. The way that the movie comment uh, common has commentary on the haves and the have nots uh, and how when the boat starts to sink, uh, the, the people who are below deck are essentially told you fend for yourself. You're on your own kind of thing. Um, you will see in Avatar The Way of Water that James Cameron loves handcuffing people to, to poles. <laughs> you cannot get enough of it. As the ships are sinking. As ships are sinking. Um, it's just it's it's everything. It's everything. I mean, like. If you go back and and think about the amount of work that went into making Titanic because of oh, how yeah. practical it is, and I'm pretty sure I've told this story a million times before, but like that's I read that story of the extra who tumbles down the deck into the water uh, because they're elevating the ship, and then Cameron calls cut, and then they lower it back down to where it was, and they dry off everything that it was dry before the shot started, and the extra has to change out of his wet clothes and reset to back to where he. <laughs> And this is why everybody looked at him filming in Mexico on this set and just said, this is going to be Cleopatra. This is going to be a disaster. It's going to tank the studio, essentially. Um, and it didn't. It did the complete opposite. And so uh, Titanic will forever be my favorite movie by James Cameron, unless somehow he gets out of Pandora uh, and decides to do something else that's highly original. But, um, I did see something just a little while ago about uh, like Avatar 5, like bringing Neytiri oh, no. to Earth. That Ooh. would be really interesting. Like get the like have I don't know if I don't know where I read that I don't know who to give credit for but apparently oh, Cameron yeah. talked about this idea of like bringing the characters to Earth somehow which I think would be fascinating and it's Earth like 1984 fight <laughs> like gonna fight Thanos is that the idea oh dude, <laughs> dude could you imagine I could, oh that'd be amazing all right audience picks uh, uh. Carter Rabasa Carrie Vanderberg and others said aliens Jalice went with Titanic Rachel Ho. The True Lies, Nosferatu. Hello, Nosferatu. Thank you for <laughs> oh, watching wow. the show. Is, is this the is this one the Willem Dafoe's Nosferatu or is this? A, a, a God, diff- I love that movie. The character based on the character based on. And uh, Dino Paulo, Harry Lichtman. Did Matt you say Krong. Nosferatu's pick? Sorry, I didn't hear. The Abyss. He went with the Abyss. Um, <laughs> he lives. He's in a subterranean <laughs> coffin underneath. He just comes up and goes, The Abyss. And then goes, The Abyss. My blend beak. <laughs> Why am I putting an accent? Is that? I have no idea. Uh, Dino Paulo, Harry Lichtman, Matt Caron, and many, 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 many others went with T2 Judgment Day. So thank you everybody for did. participating. Uh, next week, <laughs> we're going to have some fun. Talking about hashtag Damien Chazelle blend. Oh, patron saint of the real blend podcast has a movie coming out called Babylon. And we will debate what we think is uh, our favorite films by him. So let us know your pick via email Babylon. at cinemablend.com. Uh, or you can use the hashtag Damien Chazelle blend on social media real quick through the outro. Thank you guys very much. For leaving us reviews, um, sign up for the premium. There's uh, information in the, the uh, here where you can see the description below for how you can sign up for premium episodes. You know where to find us on social media. We'll be back next week with a full on show. And we're coming up close to our top five episode where we give you our top five. Let's get that next week. Uh, No, it's in two. Oh. Well, it's in two weeks. Yes, it's in two, two weeks. weeks. What's well, coming up? So subscribe. It's our last episode it here of the us. year. Uh, and in the meantime. Oppenheimer. Hashtag Finch Facts. 
cow feces. No. <laughs> Elephant feces. Elephant feces. Oh, in 35 yeah. millimeter. Get the animal right. <laughs> Pinchbacks.